Let me read this one verse here. Revelation 14, verse 13, it reads as follows. And I have heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest in their labors, and their works do follow them. Let's pray before we get on today. Dear God, thank you for gathering us here in your name to hear your word, to hear your message. Do this now as I try to uh, share that with this congregation, that we may honor and glorify you in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So indeed, I want to talk a little bit about what I learned from Eugene over the years, from knowing him for uh, four years. We know that now he's, he's died, right? And it says here in this verse that we talked about very simply, right? That he's at rest from his labor, right? He's done what he could do here on earth, right? And he's, you know, blessed because he was able to die in the Lord. You know, I'll say a few things about him that maybe some of you guys might not have known. You know, a lot of people didn't know him that well, I don't think, right? Some of you guys maybe know him better than me, right? But I would say this in general about Eugene compared to other people here at church, and that is this, that I think he lived a life that's a lot different than any of our lives here. I think that would be a true statement. Most of us, we have a pretty, like, homogeneous kind of background, a lot of us. We all, you know, many of us, we all came from, like, immigrant parents and grew up in, like, San Francisco or, you know, even if it's not San Francisco, Bay Area, not that far away, right? A lot lot of us went to schools locally here, right? A lot of us grew up in this church, whether it be we started coming in elementary school or middle school or high school or whatever, we came to church around this time. It's pretty... A very similar experience, and I've grown up with a lot of you guys, and I know that you guys have had the same thing. You went to the same high school, right? <coughs> Nowadays, you know, we now that we've you know gone off and grown up and lived in the house, live in the Bay Area, get married, have kids, similar type experience. Eugene, totally not like that, right? He lived a, a, a more unique life, right? He did stuff like he was in the military. I don't think anyone here can say that, right? I don't think anyone here served in the military. No one. He did stuff like live on his own, apart from everybody, apart from his family. You know, his family wasn't around here. He was here, living in San Francisco, by himself, in an apartment, alone. I think most of us, oh, if you're younger people, you, most of your life you live with your parents, right? Um, or you're like us, you got married, oh, you live with your family. Even if you moved out and you live by yourself, you didn't move away to like some different city. I bet your parents are still close by living in, uh, <clears throat> within uh, driving distance, right? Not many of us really say like, oh, I'm off on my own, right? And that was kind of his life too, that he's off on his own here, alone here in San Francisco. So a much different background. And of course, he's a lot older, right? No one here. I don't think is even like uh, two-thirds of his age, right? I don't think any, I'm just looking around here in this audience, and most people are here probably uh, two-thirds or less of how old he was, so he had a lot of different experience living a longer life, obviously, and he was retired. I don't know anyone here that's retired. Everyone here is either in school, working, in some way, shape, or form, right? So definitely a different different experience and different lifestyle with a lot of different stories, a lot of different things in his life as compared to the rest of us. But I think uh, from, from uh, uh, you know, knowing him, I think there were a few things that despite his differences that we could see as Christians that we could gain from, learn from, uh, experience from. That's 
you know, in line with what the Bible teaches too. And we'll take a look at a few things, a few of these things today, and I share some stories about him and stuff too. All right. So what can we learn from his life and what have I observed from his life? First thing. First thing. Number one. Seek out fellowship. Seek out fellowship. In Psalm 55, 14, it says, We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. So the Bible teaches the importance of fellowship, being with other Christians, right? Worshiping with other Christians. Well, the day I met Eugene Lee about four years ago was when I came into this church around this time, you know, a few minutes earlier, right? And uh, got up here to lead the songs. And I look out in the audience, as I do when I have to lead the song. And I look out in the front over here, and there's some old guys sitting there, right? So I wonder, well, why is there some old guys sitting? I usually used to seeing all you guys, right? And there's some old guys sitting there. So after a church or whatever, after a church, I go up and I see, you know, talk to this guy. I say, well, who's this guy sitting here in the front row, right? And, you know, in, the, in our church. Never seen him before in my life, and he's like a lot older than everybody else. And so I says, oh, his name's Eugene. He just moved back to the city. And he was looking for a church. He says, you know, I really wanted to go and find a church for myself, right? And, uh, you know, I came to check out you guys. And, you know, I asked him, you know, how do you hear about our church or whatever? Because I'm like, you know, how do you come out here, right? I says, oh, and this is the, the true low-tech answer. He says, I, I, I saw it in the phone book, right? How many of you guys even still have a phone book in your house, right? I bet our kids, when you, you talk to our kids, like, what's a phone? Tell them about the yellow pages. They'll be like, what is yellow pages? I do not know. What is this thing? I thought everything is on the internet nowadays, right? But yes, <clears throat> evidently, we still have an ad in the yellow pages, right? The church says, and he looked us up in the yellow pages or whatever, and he said, oh, this sounds like a Chinese church, right? Chinese Bible church. I'm going to go check it out. So I was talking to him that first day. And, you know, I thought this, you know, I'm st- I stereotype him, right, and said, oh, you know, he's some old guy, like, he doesn't want to come to church here, right? All of us are, like, a lot younger, and we're, you know, we don't speak Chinese or anything like that. So I, told, so I talked to him for a while that day, and I gave him, I, I basically told him this, like, oh, well, if you're checking out churches, here's a whole list of churches you might want to check out, right? Like, because these are, you know, these are close to your house, they have, like, a Chinese-speaking pastor, they have, like, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? So I taught them that whole first day about different things to check out, right? And, uh, you know, then, I, then he left, right? And that was it. That was the end of the day. And then he didn't come back next week. He says, oh, I want to check it out again, right? And I said, what about all these places I told you to go to, right? You, you know, check it out. He said, oh, yeah, I'll check it out one day or whatever. But, you know, I came back. <clears throat> and so it was over that first month. I think he did eventually go check out some of them. Like he went to one of, like, the Chinatown churches or something like that. And then, like, after a month later, after, like, a couple weeks later, he was back again, right? I said, oh, you're back. What brings you back here? And he says, well, you know, I checked out some of the places and other things. And it turns out that, you know, I like this place the best. I feel like I fit in here the best. And, you know, I think it was because I didn't know, I didn't know him that well back then, right? And I assumed certain things. But as you guys who know Eugene, actually, his personality is more in line with kind of like us, than it is with like people that go to like Chinatown church. You know, Chinatown church is like everyone speaks Chinese, they're old people or whatever like that. He kind of is like more like, oh, he grew up, he's in the United States for so long, he speaks English mostly. So actually, he related more to us, he said, than like, oh, if you go to some Chinatown church, everyone's like old Chinese lady, you know, you can't relate to them at all, right? So he said, yeah, you know, this one fits me, I like you guys, so that's why I started coming out. 
So he sought out a church. I, mean, I think that's an important lesson for all of us here, wherever we are in whatever stage in life, even at 60, whatever years old, coming to a new city, to know the importance of fellowship, which he knew that he had to go find a Christian home for himself. It might be that some of us here in this room, you know, it's very true in this day and age, no one lives one place forever, right? We'd love to have you here forever. Maybe, though, that your job moves, family situation changes, something. Oh, you wind up in a different city one day. Do we follow the lesson of Eugene and say, hey, one of the most important things to seek out is to find that fellowship, that congregation, a church home to have. You know, that's what he did. He had to go, he, but he didn't drive. As you guys also know, he didn't drive, right? He rode the bus around. So whether it be bus over to Chinatown or a bus out to here or a bus out to wherever, he wanted to go try out places to find that home for himself, the place where he fit. <clears throat> and hopefully all of us, you know, will strive to do that in our Christian lives wherever we wind up. If it's not here, right? Hopefully you guys like staying here and being out here with us, but we know sometimes that's not reality, right? That's one thing. I saw from Gene's life. Second thing, Eugene, I think, saw, <clears throat> uh, lived out in his life, is to use your talents for God as much as possible. It says in 1 Peter 4.10 this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Right? We all have gifts. We use them to minister to each other. And I think Eugene is a guy that he tried to use what skills he had use the skills he had for God, right? Some of you guys know, and some of you guys work with him. He, when, he, when he came here, not that long after, he got involved really quickly with Chinese school, right? He speaks Chinese, right? And uh, he got up there right away. Now, you say he's never been like a teacher or anything like that, not much experience with kids. He's kind of, you know, how, how can he relate to the younger generation, people who are literally like 50 years younger than him? It didn't matter. He just went out there, and he did the best he could, right? He was just a TA. I think he started off as TA. It's like, TA, what do you do? As you guys who are in Chinese school know, TA, the responsibility is not as hard, right? You help, you know, crowd control, help, you know, collect some papers, maybe grade some papers, some of that. He started off like that pretty soon after coming out that he was like, oh, you know, well, I'm here. Might as well do something, right? They have a Chinese school. He speaks Chinese. He can help out. That was kind of his attitude, you know? How many of us here, after so many years, even though we know Chinese, haven't been able to get up there and help out with the Chinese school? You know, that, that could be some of us, right? His attitude as well, I'm here, I'm gonna do something, right? I'm gonna help. And so it was that, <coughs> that's the kind of stuff that uh, Eugene would do, that he would try to put his uh, talent to use there. But even when he didn't have, necessarily have the greatest talent. He still tried his best to do it for God. He tried to learn more stuff, do more when he could. It says in Proverbs 1.5, this. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. So even being 60-whatever years old, Eugene tried to learn more stuff and tried to serve God more with the stuff he learned. And you guys know this, and I know this because I... I was side by side with him, that he learned how to play the trumpet just to be in Christmas concerts. Now, I know some of you guys here, you can see the trumpets in the back, that there's other people following in his footsteps, right? Trying to learn instruments, right? To try to play in this concert. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, I have no musical talent. 
you know, I'm old now, it's hard for me to learn. Well, no one can say they were older than Eugene when he started to learn a new instrument, right? 60-something years old when he's learning how to play instrument for the first time, trumpet. And, uh, you know, he played in the concert every year, except for the year that he got sick, right? But he played in the concert every year, and I sat by him, and I, I saw him as he practiced, and he did what he could to do it. And, you know, I think from my observation and analysis, being sitting right next to him, playing the trumpet side by side with him, I can tell you this about him. He worked very, very hard. He practiced a lot. He was not very good, right? You know, but it didn't matter. It did not matter one bit. He practiced really hard. He tried his best, and he had a special talent. I'd say this. He had a special talent because, you know, I was in there, sat next to him. I, you know, I don't, some of you guys know that I taped some of the practices and the performance and some of that, listened back to him. And it would be like this. I would sit next to, next to Eugene, and we would play the song, whatever the song is, right? And as I was listening to him play, play the song, I would think he sounds really good. You know, like, oh, actually, that's pretty good, right? We're playing the song in the end. It sounds pretty decent, at least by our church standard, right? We met our own church standard of, hey, we're pretty average. That's good enough, right? <clears throat> and then I would look at the music and see what he's playing. And then I'd say, oh, Eugene was actually supposed to be playing exactly the same thing I was playing, right? It would sound totally different, right? But... I would go home and I'd listen to tape and I said, you know, he had this special skill. Even though he's playing the wrong notes, it actually sounded good, right? Like, oh, you didn't notice that he's playing like the wrong notes all the time and everything like that. Oh, it blends. He just happened to play the wrong note that fits with my note or whatever. And then I never rarely notice it. So whenever, you know, Nathan and I, we would talk about how's the practice going. I would rarely complain about Eugene. I wouldn't say like, oh, he's, because Nathan would worry, like, oh, how's Eugene doing? Do we need to play slower to accommodate him? Because he's not as experienced on it. I said, oh, Eugene's fine. He, he is, he's, you know, he sounds fine. And I always say that. And that's kind of like a, hopefully, inspirational message for all of us here. That, you know, we can all play an instrument or do whatever, learn even at our late age and still come out okay. We don't have to be perfect. He definitely was not perfect. He did not play perfectly. And you know, those guys that followed in his footsteps this year and learned the trumpet, I can tell you those guys did not play perfectly either, right? But you know, they played pretty darn well for people who only practiced for a couple months and said, here you go, you're in the concert in the star position, right? I know if I had only played a couple months and you put me on there, it's like, you know, I have no chance, right? But these guys, they practiced a couple months, they were like, Eugene, right? Hey, play a couple months, I can be in the concert already, right? That's pretty impressive to me. That was the kind of attitude that he had that hopefully is inspiring to all of us, that we gain new skills. We learn new things. We use our skills the best we can. We use our time the best we can for God. It's so hard to learn anything nowadays, isn't it? I look at my own life. When I was young, like some of these college people, I had time to learn stuff. You know, you read books for fun, right? Like, oh, you read books for fun. You take up new hobbies and this and that. As you get older, you find that's harder and harder. Like, oh, you have more work to do. You're working however many hours a week, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week or whatever. You have kids you got to take care of. You have family obligations. You have this and that. How do you have time to do all these things? You know, <clears throat> Eugene dedicated his life to learning other stuff. You know, maybe because he retired too, he had time. Did you know he was trying to learn different languages. If you, you know, I think uh, uh, they brought back a lot of his stuff downstairs from cleaning up his apartment. You see he had a lot of language tapes, right? He was trying to learn Spanish, 
and French, different languages, all different stuff that he studied, right? Multi-languages. You see that he had a lot of instruments. If you look downstairs, a lot of instruments. He wasn't just trying to learn trumpet. He was trying to learn all sorts of other instruments. That's the kind of guy he was. That Oh, I want to learn stuff. Always learning different things, new things, right? You see he has a lot of like art supplies down there. He wanted to draw. I don't know if you guys knew this about him or not. He wanted to draw. He wanted to be an artist, right? And draw different stuff. You know, all these different things that, you know, maybe you or I never even thought of. But, you know, we ought to try to learn new things, new skills, put our skills to use for God always, to learn more and more, learn more about God, of course, too. All these things, an inspiration to us all, right? Another thing about Eugene that I think should be inspirational to us is his dedication to worship God every Sunday the best he could. Remember this, it says in the Bible, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, most of you guys probably never heard of Eugene until two years ago when he had his bypass surgery, right? And that's when Nathan came up and announced to everybody, oh, we need to pray for Eugene. Probably half of you guys said, who is Eugene? Why are we praying for this guy, right? But then after he talked about it, I'm sure everybody guys know, remember, right, that he had this heart surgery and we got to pray for our brothers and sisters, and we supported him through prayer, right? And so he did have his heart surgery about two years ago. And then after the surgery happened, one day, randomly, he showed up at church, right? And he has walker and everything, and we were all kind of surprised. And Nolan pointed out to him, he's like, Eugene's here, right? And, you know, people asked him, well, how did you get here? He said, oh, I just rode the bus like I did every other day. And we were kind of shocked that he would come here after having a surgery just a couple weeks ago and ride the bus out here. And we're like, Eugene, you should not be riding the bus when you just had serious heart surgery, right? And that day we found someone and said, here, Eugene, we do not allow you to ride the bus home, right? We're going we're gonna to have someone drive you home, right? This is CBC. We're famous for having transportation, right? How can we not offer this guy transportation? And he was, but that was kind of that. He's like, oh, you know, I don't come here. It's no big deal, right? But, uh, that was the kind of guy he was. He's like, oh, well, I'm better now. I'm going to come to church, even if it sounds to us kind of crazy. And it was, because afterwards, we talked to some of our doctors in our congregation and asked them about it, and they said, uh, yeah, it's not really advised that people recovering from surgery, like just a couple weeks after, do stuff like do something intense, like get on your walker and ride your bus across town, right? So, he, so they said, you know, really, if he wants to come to church, we should give him a ride. Right, And so it was that during that time, we know that there were a lot of people here that volunteered and helped out and drove him to church, drove him home from church because he wanted to, right? He really, you know, he, was, he, he wanted to be out here with the congregation, with everybody out here. I think that's inspirational to all of us. How many of us have had heart bypass surgery? I think zero is the answer, right? How many of us have had any kind of surgery? Pretty low, I bet, the number. Probably less, than, probably less than 10 of us here have any kind of surgery. How many of us can say that as quickly as possible as he did after surgery? He was out here to worship God, to honor God. That was the attitude he had. I don't know. I don't know if I myself could say that, right? That I'm, oh, I'm going to be here right away. You know, look at me. Last week, I mean, you guys know, I wasn't here. But I was sick, right? I was sick. I, I, I didn't show up, right? 
I, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do the Melvin thing, right? I was going to say, oh, you know, here I am at home, I'm vomiting and stuff. I said, you know, I told Elaine last Sunday morning, okay, ready to go. And she said, no, we don't want you, like, you know, spreading your vomit germs all over the whole church, right? And everyone will be, be blaming you for everything, right? So she forbid it, right? But, you know, Eugene, he had that attitude, the Melvin-type attitude, right? Hey, if I'm ready to go, I'm there, Right? <clears throat> but relating to that time that he has surgery, I think what he taught us is that our church also can band together in times and help others in need. You know, the Bible talks about this, and we don't have chances, it seems like, to, to follow through on this a lot. But it says in Acts chapter 4, 33, this, And with great power gave the disciples witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace is upon all. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many were possessor of lands and houses, sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. We know from the Bible times, this precedent was set, that the congregation cares for each other, that it shouldn't be that there's people in need. When people are in need, we help those people. I think this is one thing that our church hasn't had to do very much because, like I said, most of us come from very similar backgrounds, similar, uh, similar lifestyle, and it hasn't really been a necessary type thing. Eugene was unique. Like we said, he had his surgery, but he lived by himself. Not, not many of you guys know this, right? But he lived in a single-room apartment out in the Tenderloin, right? Lived by himself just in one teeny tiny room out there. And he lived a very modest life, right? He didn't have, like, tons of money and tons of stuff or whatever like that. Like, uh, not even, you know, like an average amount of stuff like many of us have in our houses and stuff like that. Or wherever uh, we live, houses or condo or apartment or whatever. In one room. That's it. And he had a lot of need during that time when he was in criminal surgery. And it was really heartwarming to see how our church came together for him. Because he had no family. We asked him. You know, we had people like Phil and his wife, all these doctors asking him, like, well, what are you doing right now? How do you get food, right? What do you do when you have, you know, problems, like going to the doctor or whatever like this? Well, he couldn't say anything, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know, I try to figure out myself. And, you know, he was walking around with this walker and all that kind of stuff. So people like Elaine and Phil and stuff, they said, like, we've got to do something, right? We've got, we got to get some help. We've got to get people who are able to, uh, you know, uh, Get him some food, right? Otherwise, what is he eating? Well, he says, I try to go down to Chinatown and buy a bao. That will last me a week, right? Buy like 10 baos. That's my, my meal. And say, well, that's not too good, right? How, how much nutrition is in a bao, right? Especially since he just had surgery. You're going to make sure you have a good diet, right? So many of you guys in this audience right here volunteered to help make lunch for him, make lunch and dinner for him, pack it up so that he can heat up in his microwave every week. You know, we did that for him, right? Many of you guys volunteered to help drive him whenever he needed to be driven somewhere. Many of you guys <clears throat> helped volunteer to help him clean up. You know, it was a big job. We went down there one day to his apartment, helped clean up his whole apartment. He had so much junk and so much dirty stuff, helped him throw away some stuff, helped him store some stuff here at church. You know, he didn't have space. He only has one room. That's it. That was his place. One room. Some of you guys helped out with this. You know, we... Melvin mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago. He mentioned Eugene didn't have a bed. That was his lifestyle yet, right? He slept in a chair, 
It's up in the chair. So he said the Melvin standard was that people in church should have a bed, right? You know, we care for a congregation, just like the people back in Bible times. We cared, right? So the church will buy you a bed, Eugene. And so a lot of us guys, we went to the furniture store. We bought the bed. We brought it there and, uh, you know, set it up for him, right? Cleaned up his house, set up a space for it, and set up for him. He was so appreciative. He was so thankful that he had this fellowship, this congregation to help out. Now, we know a lot of us here maybe don't have that same need because we have family, right? Like if something were happening to me, I wouldn't have to ask you guys to cook for me because, oh, Elaine would cook for me or whatever, right? You know? You know, maybe that's true for a lot of us here, that we have family close by and friends close by. But we should never forget, never forget that we have this congregation as a resource for us, as a support network for us, for everything, for our spiritual needs, for our physical needs, for whatever need we have, that we ought to be out there supporting one another. When Eugene had that issue, I think it highlighted for me the power, the power that this congregation had when it came together, that we could move so many people just to help one man. Imagine that same type of effort we could put into whatever else it is that this church needs to do. Can we put that same effort into helping someone else that needs it here? Can we help put that same effort into soul winning? Can we put that same effort into, into uh, teaching other people, spreading, spreading the gospel? Can we teach, put that same effort into uh, uh, teaching about whatever else it would be, right, about the Bible? All these things to band together, to work together. People, different backgrounds, different whatever, you know, different time. Not everyone had time to help. Some did this time. Some did the other time. But the idea being that we all pitch in. We all help. We're all part of the same church. You know, like I said, it doesn't happen that often, right? But should it be happening more? Should we be willing to say to brothers and sisters, hey, I need help on whatever this is. Should we be willing that other people here can say, hey, yeah, we'll support you, brother, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need. We here are here for each other. Not just, I'll pray for you, but also, I'll help you. You need to move something. You need to do something. You need to help with this issue or that issue. Care for something. We are here for each other, right? It's part of our Christian duties just as much as getting people saved and studying the Bible and all these things, supporting each other, supporting our fellowship is part of it. That's why God wants us to go to church, right? We could do a lot of these things without a church, without a fellowship, without a congregation. You can go get people saved on your own. You can go read the Bible on your own. You can do a lot of stuff on your own. You can pray on your own. But you can't help people. You can't help your church. You can't help your fellow brothers and sisters on your own. We're here for each other, are we not? So I think through all that, these are some of the things I've seen and I've been inspired by and that I learned from the times that we've had Eugene around and the things that he did and the things that other people did for him. So to wrap it up, here's a concluding quote. It says, as long as you do things for God, you're a hall of famer in heaven's list. And right now, Eugene's in heaven. He's on the list, right? He was there for God. Hopefully he inspired a lot of people for God, to do God's work, to serve God more. And, uh, you know, look forward to, to on March 4th, right, which is next Sunday, to hearing your guys' experiences and your stories. I shared all of mine, right? More, well more than two minutes, right? I shared all my stories today. 
and hopefully you guys you share yours and uh, you know we can celebrate our brother uh, let's pray right now and wrap it up dear God uh, we thank you that we had Eugene here for four years and that he was being he was a bit of an inspiration to some of us you know the way he lived his life a lot different than our lives here right but you know even so I think I learned from him I saw him do stuff that I couldn't imagine doing, that I could, didn't do, and hopefully maybe I can be inspired to do more, and hopefully people here can be inspired to do more by the way he lived his life. Uh, God, we just ask that you bless this congregation here, that we continue to strive to live day by day to uh, serve you, to honor you, to glorify you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.